1: Welcome back and happy November 12th, 2020. Quote, I never thought that could happen in this country. How do you elect a person president, then all of a sudden give him the authority to be dictator? That's what Hitler did in Germany. Close quote. That was James Clyburn yesterday. He is the majority whip in the House of Representatives. The party's number three. In August, Mr. Clyburn said Donald Trump was more like Benito Mussolini. Than Hitler. I guess it took three months, more Trump tyranny, for Mr. Clyburn to realize he had dialed or defined dictatorship down. But perhaps not so fast. It was back in March, Mr. Clyburn was describing the Republican Party and said, quote, I used to wonder, how did the people of Germany allow Hitler to exist? But with each passing day, I'm beginning to understand how. And that's why I'm trying to sound the alarm," close quote. I was speaking of this sort of thing yesterday in how the media and nearly the entire culture could engage in the political and messaging tactics they have for the past 4 years. When the side you don't agree with, our side, is placed outside the universe of respectable, no less tolerable, political thought, you can do anything you want to them. Anything. A tyrant in power, after all, is the natural right condition to engage in justified revolution. Our Declaration of Independence instructs on this, after all, doesn't it? Quote, "...whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it." Close quote. What ends? Well, the Declaration of Independence calls the ends rights, and they are, "...all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." Then we learn and know, or used to know, that, quote, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, close quote. But once that ends, when leaders of governments become destructive of those ends or rights, there is a right of the people to alter or abolish it. That's what our Declaration of Independence says. There is nothing more destructive than of the rights and ends that the declaration speaks of than fascism, Nazism, or for that matter, communism. And so when a political opposition shovels us into one of those camps, usually the first two, particularly fascism and Nazism, you set the conditions for revolutions, the right to revolution. And that can justify practically anything, including one might imagine adjusting or tinkering with or irregularizing elections. But it certainly would include using the mass media and our education system to anathematize and marginalize opinions and points of views, positions of those camps we now belong to, the camps of the intermention, the irresponsible, the ancient regime. The great historian Simon Schama described the ancient regime of yore as, quote, a society so encrusted with anachronisms that only a shock of great violence could free the living organisms within. I give you the shock by giving you our media and education institutions, and yes, our political movements of most prominence, from Antifa to BLM. I give you the Democratic Party. It's not being overstated here, the reductio ad Hitlerum. James Clyburn is not alone. Nancy Pelosi called our federal troops dispatched to Portland to vouchsafe federal courthouses, stormtroopers. She said this summer, Republican negotiations on ballots were giving her a Sophie's Choice. Back when the Tea Party was ascendant, she said she saw swastikas at Tea Party rallies. She didn't. I mean, she didn't see them. She said she did, but they didn't exist. And, of course, she called Donald Trump a racist on the floor of the House of Representatives. We think we thank Steve Hayward for the history that following Newt Gingrich's landslide in 1994, Representative George Miller, D. California, said it's a glorious day if you're a fascist. Representative Charlie Rangel, D. New York, on GOP budget cuts under Gingrich, quote, Hitler wasn't even talking about doing these things. Representative Major Oman's Democrat. These are people who are practicing genocide with a smile. They're worse than Hitler. Worse than Hitler. Our own Secretary of State here in Arizona, Katie Hobbs, tweeted in 2017 that Donald Trump's supporters were neo-Nazis. Then, of course, there's Vice President Joe Biden in 2012 saying that mild-mannered Mitt Romney wanted to put black people back in chains. You have Jimmy Carter, an ex-president calling the current president, Donald Trump, illegitimate. Or Joe Biden only this week, two days after saying our time of division is over and we should see our opponents not as enemies, but Americans, saying Americans who opposed Obamacare were far-right ideologues. This week, and not a single Republican voted for Obamacare, let's remind So that's an awfully big category far-right has become to the self-presumptive president-elect who speaks in high tones of uniting the country, isn't it? Much like his claim to call for peace and calm Saturday night, his claim we all unite is not exactly hypocritical. It's definitional. As Hillary Clinton herself put it two years ago, quote, You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. Quote. It's quite easy to call for calm or civility when it's you who are the leader, for it's your leadership that otherwise would presumptively subject to the incivility or protests or riots or frenzy. So you see, peace and calm or civility is conditional to the Democrats and the rest of the left to be had or imposed only once the left or the Democrats are in charge or in power, not before. Before is revolution time and by any means necessary. And they tell us or lecture us that our politics is broken and that things have become too extreme. Of course, it's we who are always blamed for it, as if businesses needed to be boarded up to stop us. As if federal troops and police were needed to stop our rioting and torching of the streets and cities of America. As if it's we who marched this week in Washington with the bleeding head of Joe Biden on a pike. That was the left and Donald Trump. As if we produce plays and videos calling for the assassinations and beheadings of Joe Biden. That was the left and Donald Trump too. As if we call their leaders tyrants, That was Ilan Omar calling Donald Trump one from the front of the U.S. House of Representatives. And support of a tyrant is what the Democrats and the left, or to many of them, see in us, in our backing of Donald Trump. Hence the call for lists of supporters from MSNBC hosts to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to Washington Post writers to others lists. We belong on lists so there can be a great purge or as if we must face tribunals, perhaps like Nuremberg, as they say it, so that we don't work again. We have to declare our membership in a party, it seems, a la the USSR to get what Russians called propiska, a work permit. Just as Václav Havel described Czechoslovakia in 1978, where storekeepers had to hang the sign Workers of the World Unite in their windows, because, in Havel's words, That is the way it has to be. If the storekeeper were to refuse, there could be trouble. He could be reproached for not having the proper decoration in his window. Someone might even accuse him of disloyalty. He does it because these things must be done if one is to get along in life. It is one of the thousands of details that guarantee him a relatively tranquil life in harmony with society, as they say. Close quote in harmony with society. One might even say peace or calm or civility or the opportunity for work. As I say, none of this is really new. It's just more voluble and it's become more common. You didn't used to have congressmen and congresswomen talking this way. The Democrats of 1968 and 1972 wanted no truck with their radicals like the Weather Underground or Black Panthers. Today, the Democratic Party relies on them and has absorbed them. This, of course, is why we must fight. And by fight, I mean file court claims. By fight, I mean legally and nonviolently protest. By fight, I mean putting our shoulder to the wheel and pointing out where they are wrong and where we are right. By fight, I mean donating to and supporting the Senate races in Georgia. By fight, I mean recruiting candidates for and running for school board and taking back our schools and education system. By fight, I mean never feeling we have to be on the defense in defending America and classical American values, virtues, and history. As Barry Goldwater, the subject of similar slanders, as Donald Trump knew that conservatives had to, in his words, grow up and work to fight to take the country and party back, which we did, we must do now again. If we lose this presidential race, we'll do it again. If we win it, we still must continue the fight. For as Vaclav Havel put it, the profound crisis of human identity brought on by living within a lie is a crisis that can only be seen as moral. So we grow up, we fight, and we get to work with no embarrassment or hesitation or doubt. We know who they are. Let us make sure we are resolved to remain who we are. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Just reminded by that song. I don't know how many of you watched uh, the CMA Awards last night, but they were wonderful. They were beautiful. I, it, it restored a lot of faith in, in a part of me about a part of our culture that still exists. There's a whole new crop of country singers and yeah, country music has changed to be sure. Um, but these young people, there's still still these themes abide about family, um, about faith, about relationships, uh, about all the hard and real things in life um, and good things in life, about country, about love, broken love, all broken hearts, all, 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 all the, the whole wingspan, really, of, of human life. And the best part of it was it was a political. The most political thing I heard. The most political thing I heard was the last um, recipient of awards, the Entertainer, um, the Entertainer of the Year Award, Eric Church. Um, and he said, and I'll get it about right, he said, what an odd year to win this award, because they had a very spaced out and empty audience, obviously. And he pointed out something I hadn't thought about, but it's true, and maybe it's not meaningful to a lot of people. He said, you know, especially a year where we weren't able to do a lot of concerts. They weren't, right? Um, and then he said, a year where we lost a lot of freedoms and a lot of school. That was the most political I heard. And I thought, as far as politics goes, you know, that's on our side. <laughs> that's at least. I I think that's the, by and large, conservative take of what this year has been with loss of freedom. Um, The loss of school cuts a few different ways, but I know what he meant. I think I know what he meant, which is the burdens we've put on families and children with the closings of schools. Anyway, um, if you taped it, watch it. It it, it was a beautiful thing. It was co-hosted by um, Darius Rucker and Reba McIntyre, and they did a really good job, and they did a tribute – to Kenny Rogers, which, oh my gosh, you know, we spent a lot of time on Eddie Van Halen's passing. Um maybe maybe didn't spend enough time. We won't do it now, don't worry, on Kenny Rogers' passing, or or maybe it just spoke for itself. That's what you would probably say, Bill. It it uh it insisted it it it, it did its own work, Kenny Rogers' passing, but it was a big one. And you think about the span he had through through the decades, it was big. It was a big impact. They brought out um, Charlie Pride to get something like a lifetime achievement award. Good old Charlie Pride, eighty-six years old, and he sang uh, "Kiss an Angel Good Morning," which we play here. So it's just a beautiful part of our culture, you know. Uh, we and I am, am included in this. I um I get down on it a lot, I criticize it a lot. But there are parts, and I remember talking about five months ago with a friend of mine. He listens to this show, uh, a guy named Bill, and um, about you know certain songs in country music that just are not represented in the elite culture. The the themes of which are not represented in the elite culture. "One's on the Way" speaks to it. The old Loretta Lynn song "One's on the Way" speaks to you know what the culture thinks and what we're dealing with here in Topeka. And he said, I've seen that America, and he mentioned a bunch of cities. It's just not the main, main cities that the media is housed in. It's not Los Angeles. It's not New York City. It's not Washington, D.C., but it is Longville, Texas, or Longview, Texas, and it's other places. Anyway, I just just a parting cultural thought that um, I wanted to share. If you taped it or have a chance to watch the CMA Awards and you want to retreat from the frenzy and the chaos and a safe retreat, a safe space, if you will, um, that would be a good place to go. CMA Awards from last night. Speaking of culture, uh, political culture, I want to continue what we were doing yesterday. I want to get your sense of the mood of things, how you're feeling politically. Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Are you hopeful? Are you lacking all hope? Are you, um, uh, what, what are you thinking and what are you seeing right now? On our political scene, gosh knows you're being told to think a lot. I want to hear what you're thinking. You are told what to think by television and a lot of radio and a lot of everything else, social media. I want to know what you think. I don't want to be in the business of telling you what to think or add to the cacophony of those who are telling you what to think. I would love to uh, hear what you are actually thinking. So give me a call, 602-508-0960. I also want to draw your attention to a few other things. One, a different friend of mine I was talking to in Washington, D.C. this morning, a uh, plugged-in person who sees the world roughly the same way I do. And um, I said, how, uh, how how are things digesting in Washington? How are you seeing you know, all the news and the legal challenges and the claims of uh, irregularities and fraud? And he said something interesting, which I think I agreed with too, which was there's a lot of pushback against it all, but there seems to be a little bit more openness to the challenges that the Trump campaign is making, a little bit, a crack in the surface or a crack in the wall. Here and there, you can see it if you look for it or if you listen carefully enough, And that, by the way, is bolstered by two things. One, enough people saying we're not done yet. We're just not. We're not certified yet and we're not done and we should exhaust every legal remedy, just as Al Gore did with one state. We should do it with three or four or five. We should have no less the opportunity. And then you're going to see some rulings. You're going to see some rulings pretty soon, which are going to go one way or the other. And here's one that goes one way, our way. Here's a headline. Pennsylvania court, Secretary of State lacked authority to change deadline two days before Election Day. I'll give you the opening. A Pennsylvania judge ruled in favor of the Trump campaign Thursday, today, ordering that the state may not count ballots with the voters needed to provide proof of ID and failed to do so by November 9th. So this is going to be a great sorting, a great sorting out, and it will come in part from some of these judgments and claims. Whether they are tossed, whether they are held over, whether they pass evidentiary hearings, whether they rule in favor of the Trump campaign, and there is a little bit more of that. So don't give in. Is my first statement. My second is a question: How are you feeling? What are you thinking? I don't want to talk about something else, too. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. 602-508-0960. I want to get your temperature on things. Linda is in Phoenix. Hello, Linda.
2: Hi, Seth. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you. So, you know, I am very surprised at myself because I have been such a fan of President Trump. I'm just so thankful that we have a president to lead this country into greatness, and he has done an amazing job. And I just have this calm about me, and I feel such a great um, sense that he is going to continue to be our president. Okay. Um, I, I just... Um, I don't watch the mainstream news. That helps I, with the calm. I, that yes. helps so with I, getting calm. <laughs> no. I have not watched any of. I don't watch Fox. I, I I basically just watch one American news, but I haven't even watched that. My husband, on the other hand, I've had to give him several pep talks because he does watch one American news, and he keeps telling me, "No, no, 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 it's done, it's over," and I'm, "No, it's not." If we know our president. He is a fighter, and he's 10 steps ahead. He knew all this was going to—he knew it was going to come down to this. And I feel confident, and I I really think that God is going to have him there for us.
1: (laughs) Now, let me ask you a hypothetical that may be unfair, and maybe we just wait a few weeks or whatever it takes for it to be more fair for you to call in. And let's hope it doesn't come to this, but what if it— does turn out that the claims uh, in court don't work out for our side, if, in fact, Joe Biden is certified as the president of the United States? Will you still have a calm feeling, knowing you we know, exhausted every opportunity, I, perhaps? You know, that the country...
2: I have just really. Um, I pray. I mean, I believe in Christ. I, I'm a Christian and it will literally make me sick if that's the case. But I do just will. I will just have to cling to the fact that God is in control. Yes. And, right. You know, there's you know, there's been good leaders and bad leaders in biblical times, yeah. and I just really feel like He's using Trump at this time, and I really don't feel like He's done with him right now. And maybe um, it's bad
1: for me to even raise the question because we shouldn't be thinking about tomorrow, in a sense. Yes. In a sense, you know, worrying about tomorrow only robs you of. Today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And deprives you of your yesterday. Someone once said something like that. Right. We're not supposed yeah. to do too much of that. And maybe that maybe my question shouldn't even be put forward that way. Maybe. I'm just thinking about that as I'm no, listening to you. That was
2: a great question because that rolls through my head every day. <laughs> yeah. No. But I just try to toss that out and stay positive. And he's fighting for us yeah. like a true warrior. And everything I hear from him is win, win, win. I heard Pompeo the other day say, "There's going to be sure it'll be a peaceful transfer of four more years of Trump." Yeah, I did too. (laughs) And then another thing, he's been telling everyone to get their um, budgets ready for next for the next year. And he, I really think that he knew this was happening, and I think that he needs to let the American people understand the corruption of our election. Otherwise, if people didn't understand the problem of our whole entire elective system, our election system, we'd have four more years of high fives and then another corrupt system. Right, right, right. Back to the, it. yeah, we would have really yeah.
1: solved nothing.
2: We'd, yeah, exactly. Nothing permanently, nothing of good would really come out of it yeah. unless we solve now, it correctly. You said now.
1: something else I seized on a moment, Linda. Um when you said he's fighting like a true warrior, and I agree with that, but I think it's also important, in, I should say not but, in addition, I think it's also important that we recognize and explain whether in this case it's to your husband or someone else, friends, acquaintances, that the fight is a perfectly legal fight. There is nothing the president in this warrior ring, if you will, is doing that is illegal, not one thing. I mean, right. I I just think it's important when we say he's fighting like a true warrior, an honest warrior, an honest honest warrior. He is bringing legitimate claims to court that attorneys feel have a strong enough uh, have a strong enough case to try lest they uh, be in violation of their uh, of their legal oaths. Right. I mean, this is this is not a criminal act. It's not a tyrannous act. No, not at right, all. Right,
2: And He's just following the Constitution, right. and he wants to get us back to our Constitution. I love the calm,
1: Linda. I, I What you said, I want everyone to abide. Turn off the television. Awesome. <laughs> Turn it off. Linda, bless you. Thank you for that. Brooke, Sam, Lisa, don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. getting your mood um, and your and your thoughts on where we are right now. Enough of the media telling you what you should think. I want to hear what you do think. And Lisa is in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Seth.
3: How are
1: you? I'm well. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. fine. Good. It's been a long time since we've spoken. I tried to get in the other day when Dr. Ward was on your program. Oh, okay. I was a little... I was a little annoyed with her. I know it sounds like you guys are good friends, and that's great. But I wanted to say, why all the happy talk? Under your leadership, we have lost two Senate seats. Am I correct on
1: that? Well, let me see. Has it been – I don't remember if if we lost the first one. It's a little unfair in some respects, though, Lisa, because it's – you know, we we also did a few things that people didn't think we could do, which was – All the races we did win. We thought we would lose the House and and Senate, State House and Senate. We kept that and we thought we would lose the county recorder and we turned that around and we thought we would lose the Maricopa County attorneys race and we won that. So maybe, 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 but it's not, you know, some of that is the candidate's fault. There's a lot of things that go into this that don't all lie on the shoulders of the state chairman.
3: I totally agree with you, but I think my biggest. By the point way, was, ironically
1: and- enough. By the way, ironically enough, for whatever it's worth, and I don't know because history doesn't reveal its alternatives. But Kelly Ward was, you'll recall, the num the the candidate that ran against Martha McSally in the primaries two yep. years ago, and really did roll up her sleeves to work hard for her on this campaign. I saw her at a ton of Martha McSally events the last several weeks. I really did. No, that.
3: No, that was good, but uh, and but I'm not smart enough would... to know
1: the rest. I just I'm, I'm just looking at the ledger. We won things we didn't think we could win. We kept things we didn't think we could keep, and part of me kind of thinks that Senate race had the cake baked on it a while ago. But in any event, and not to argue, just a different perspective from me, Lisa, if, if that's fair. No, enough. I okay. I get it. I okay. just
3: feel that there's nothing more important than the Senate. And we realized, I think, the last time when, Dr., when Kelly Ward ran against Martha McSally, I think you even said on your program, Martha McSally was a very weak candidate. She did not have the ability to uh, express uh, in a cogent or a uh, in impactful way, the conservative uh, plan, ethos, thought, whatever it might be, and I just I'm so broken hearted that they let her go at it again. And you know, I don't know I don't know who else there might have been, but golly, there must have couldn't there have been somebody? I can't believe we've lost two Senate seats. And I actually think I I you may disagree with me, but I think we've probably lost them for a generation. I do not see Kirsten Cinema going anywhere and I do not see Mark Kelly going anywhere
0: for years. Well we'll have to
1: see. I think as of this moment, Thursday, November twelfth, twenty twenty, I agree with you on cinema. I don't know if it's too soon to say about Mark Kelly, honestly, and because I just don't know. I got to tell you, I, you know, I know in some respects he was seen as a great stealth candidate because he had a great appeal that transcended partisanship, blah, blah, blah. But that appeal worked only to the degree that he didn't talk very much and he didn't campaign very much. He was kind of a. He was kind of he was it was a Joe Biden campaign, you know, it was a basement led campaign. We'll see what he turns out to be. Arizona, it's true, you're right, Lisa, has not had two Democratic senators since the 50s. But it's not true that we have always had two Republican senators. You know, when That's I was true. cutting my teeth as a kid here, we had uh, Dennis DeConcini and Barry Goldwater, right?
3: Right. We right. had
1: two different. We had a Republican and a Democrat. And then Kyle and DeConcini. Am I right about that? I think I am. Yeah, so, I
3: think so, you are. Yeah,
1: I think I am. So, so we'll see with Mark Kelly. We'll see. Um, but you nothing is he forever. Do, nothing is forever. He
3: could. You're right. And you know what, Seth? I mean, if he over, if he did an overreach with the gun situation, he might find himself out.
1: Or if he just is um, an underreach. I mean, if he is just a uh, empty suit. You know, if he's as bland as he appears to me to be and we can find some dynamic uh, candidate to run against him, I still think, and not every consultant agrees with me, some do, some don't, but I still think the candidate matters more than anything, almost more than anything, I should say, almost more than anything. A really good candidate can make up for a lot of other things or at least can uh, get you a lot of points. And we'll see. I do think that the parties in all the states need to do a better job of recruiting I do think that. I think there's a lot of capable people. Watch watch this county recorder, Stephen Richer. He did something people didn't expect, you know, by taking it from Adrian Fontes. That was a big win. That was a big win. It was. That was huge. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, look look at people like that. Look at people like uh, Andy Biggs having a big future, I think. Um, that's kind of the tale of two, two congressmen who came in almost at the same time, I Greg Stanton and Andy Biggs. Stanton came in two years after Biggs, but only, I think, two years. And one has made a tremendous mark and one has made no mark, just a cipher, zero. And I I think those that make no marks and are just, you know, marking time, um, I think they're ripe to be challenged. And if Mark Kelly is one of those, we'll see. We'll see. It's early. Yeah, Yeah, it's early. So we don't probably disagree very much, but we're looking – uh, a half-full and half-empty glass and getting it all the way filled up, maybe, huh? Yeah. 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 Good thoughts, though, Lisa. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thanks. Okay, Taking you betcha.
1: You betcha. Do I have time to work in uh, Sam real quick? Sam and Phoenix. Hi, Sam.
0: Hey, Seth. Uh, I think we've established you're doing really well today, so I want to kind of get that out of the way. But anyway, I uh, wanted to talk to you especially about the county recorder's office. I think that is a huge wing i had i didn't think
1: with fontes there's no way we could be uh, yeah we did i you know steven richard is someone i had on the show a bunch and i spoke about a bunch and i i and and, and i'll tell you it was a great fight not but uh, you know to think <laughs> to think where, when we were looking at so many other things going on in the the kind of tenure Adrian Fontes was known for—that—that that was an uphill battle. And God bless, uh, God bless Steve for, for for giving it to him and socking it to him and taking it. We didn't we didn't know we could. We did.
0: Because 2018, we saw the same dribbling of ballots. Uh, Martha was leading, and then all of a sudden, this, this dribble, this dribble, this this drip, drip, drip of ballots, and it just kept going until Cinema was ahead. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I personally. You know, this is my opinion, what it's worth. I don't trust. You know, I wouldn't trust Montez at all. Right. Zero. All right. I just, there's something about. He's all the more impressive that, that we beat him,
1: him, right? All the more impressive.
0: Yeah. I also want to speak about, I, uh, I was visiting a friend in Paris years ago and she took me along to vote uh, in the French elections and um, it was on a Sunday.
1: Will you do so me I this favor, anything. Sam? This sounds so interesting, but I got to take a break. Can you just hold one more moment? We'll come back to you on this. Do you have time for that? That would be great. And, Javier, don't go away. We're coming to you, and we have room for more. 602 508 Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Sam was talking to us. Sam, you were telling us about being uh, an unofficial observer of the French elections. Yes.
0: Yes, and it was it was open. I was it was never denied access. But uh, so when you went to vote in France, you presented an idea that's very similar to a passport. It's a booklet, it looks just like a passport, and it not only has all your information, what town you were born in. You know, and so on and so forth. It also has your parents, their information, and where they were born. So it's a very detailed uh, identification document. And a a quick story, we were up, uh, my friend and I, she and I were up on the top of the the, uh, Eiffel Tower. She got pickpocketed, and her wallet was gone. And uh, all she cared about, she didn't care about the money, she didn't care about the credit cards. All she cared about was her voting, her voting ID. And we eventually went through every trash can on the top of the Eiffel Tower, and uh, we found—I found it. So, uh, but anyway, so those are things. But I agree with you. We've done very well in the state. I mean, you know, we talked about Barack Obama wanted to switch over all these uh, state legislatures uh, for the census, and he, you know, he he whiffed. He absolutely whiffed. And um, I think that's really a big. A big
1: play. Oh, it was a big swing and a miss, and a lot of money was poured into do it, doing it. And, um, you know, it says something about the caliber of some of our candidates, and maybe also uh, it's too early to know exactly, um, but something about the state of our state. On the other hand, you know, we lost uh, two two propositions that are going to have, I think, far and wide – reaching effects. Proposition 208 on taxes and businesses, I think that's going to have negative economic effects. Uh, I know uh, 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 Proposition 207, which legalized the recreational use of marijuana, I think that's going to be more harmful ultimately for our children and our streets and our public safety and public health. That will have, I think, long-ranging negative effects. So it's, it's, it's kind of a mix here in Arizona, what happened and didn't. But as we as we do lament some of our losses, um, it's important that we don't disregard our victories or dismiss them. And keep in mind, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm right. The Kelly seat is up in two years. It's not a six year deal. Right. I think I'm right about that. That's right. Yeah.
0: that's absolutely right. Yeah. But I would, I would say one thing I have to put a caveat in. I think we've only had one Republican senator uh, for the past 20 years, and that was John Kyle uh
1: sam that's well said that's well said that sam thank you that's that's You're that's back. smart <laughs> okay buddy thank you i like that i'm seth
0: we will be right back